0: from the crib. <laughs>
1: Hello, boys and ghouls! Welcome to episode 127 of Dads from the Crypt. My name is Jason. I'm joined by Jody. Hello. Hello, and Mondo. Qué pasó? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How about the Niners? Yeah,
2: man, I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked. Well, by the time people listen to this, I might. Uh, I might not be that stoked. You might not be um, stoked anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it's cool. Like. I said before that I'm not a giant sports fan, as in I refuse to let sports affect my mood and affect my, I'm allowed to be upset for like maximum of 15 to 30 minutes after the game is <laughs> over, or if I get drunk and rant about the Golden Knights, another story. Uh, but uh, I made a conscious effort this year to not watch much football, um, not watch my own team play at least, because I, I found out it was giving me bad anxiety to the point where I didn't want to do anything else. And I'm like, eh, no, nah, I got to get over that. Sometimes I think it's more fun when your team sucks, and when you win, it's like, oh, hey, it's a surprise. But when you have expectations, and then you get all these fair weather fans that are like the worst. It's worse when you because now, of course, the Niners now their fourth NFC Championship game in five years. We're a bandwagon team now. But as I say, if you if you weren't around for the two and fourteen seasons, you can go fuck right off. Unless you're like seven, then uh, then come on. (laughs) (laughs) For all our uh, seven-year listeners, all our seven, Yeah. yeah. If the, uh, if the if you're, you're still listening to this, why? And where? What? Like, send us an email. We will get help. <laughs> we'll get yeah. help. <laughs> but if, if, if we do lose next week to the Lions, I'm okay with it. Uh I, I think the cool thing in the NFC side of the of, the, of the, the equation is you have two really awesome stories. You have uh, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, Definitely. potentially taking his team to the Super Bowl and potentially winning. And you also have the Lions, which have never seen a Super Bowl. So how can you be mad? The, like, if the Lions beat, the team, right. beat my team, how can I be upset? I'm not going to be upset. I'll root for them. If they beat us, I'm going to root for them in the Super Bowl, bar none.
1: I'm for sure not going to root for either the Ravens or the Chiefs at this point.
2: So. <laughs> The Ravens kind of—I have no idea what's going on. So that's so, my the, the Ravens kind of <laughs> soured me when you know, you know, one of their players punched his wife in the face and knocked her unconscious in an elevator, and they just went ahead and just brought her back. I brought him back. Like you can just come play again. It's fine. Like you didn't yeah. bet in the game. You, you all you did was knock a knock your 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 companion unconscious. Like oh, it's not fucking God. I hate the NFL sometimes. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, actually. And uh, I just don't like Patrick Mahomes. I'm not, I just I don't like him.
1: I'm kinda, uh, I'm just tired of them. I'm just tired of them being there uh, every year. And also I, I know everyone's tired of talking about it, but I just don't want the uh, Taylor Swift hype for the throw all. I don't care about Super
2: that cuz that's not her fault. She can't control not, that, right? I'm not, No, I'm not that's
1: not her thing. I'm saying the media will mm. just not yeah, show up about it because like, there's always that extra week between you know, for the Super Bowl. So it's just it'll just be more annoying.
2: Man, I'll be honest. So I saw Kelsey score a touchdown today, and he looked up there and he made the heart hand with the sign with his hands. I'm happy with that. But I was like, I thought that was kind of cute. That's kind of cool. Yeah,
1: um, I, I don't care about that. I just care about the the constant between game talk and stuff
2: that people just so, uh, people need to have something to talk about. So. Yeah. I can't remember. I was in a hotel room somewhere, and I still remember what I ate. Cause I had a, a buffalo steak that night. And it was delicious, but I can't remember where I was because I'm always somewhere. And uh, I still remember I was watching that Netflix show, Quarterbacks, mm. the one they did where they highlight him, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, and I think it was Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is a super big religious person, but he comes off as like a genuinely nice human being. Right. And then you have... Uh, uh, Marcus Mariota, who got a lot of flack because he decided to have season-ending acl surgery after he got removed from being a starter also because um he's a vegas native by the way he wanted to spend time with his brand new baby and his wife like right. i'm like yeah that guy's my hero but they try to make yeah. him the heel then you have patrick mahomes who i, I do after watching i don't know what they're trying to do with that show but after watching that show i'm like i don't like this man now he comes <laughs> off like such a douchebag on that show
1: yeah, he's cocky, but, he, but at least he can he can back it up. He can. That's
2: true, but some of the you can yeah. be humble though and still be amazing. Like you don't have to. I know, be I know. And and there's nothing wrong with being confident. Being I mean, a little bit cocky, but yeah. every single time something doesn't go his way and he looks at the refs, I'm like, come on, dude, just you make it. A... <laughs> and he sounds like Kermit the Frog. Like fucking, <laughs> I love Kermit the Frog, but it's only one goddamn Kermit, and it's not you, Patrick Mahomes. He, it ain't easy I being me.
1: That said, like it always, looks like his head is too big and too small for his helmet at the same time. Same time.
2: <laughs> well, I think he started wearing some new style yeah. of helmet to help with concussions. Which I'm not going to knock anyone for you no, know no, I'm not wanting that. Well, yeah, for wanting <laughs> to <laughs> not CTE. CDE. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Well, tonight we are doing our second episode of Black Mirror. Oh, sorry. Two quick announcements. Uh, Juan, by the time this comes out, we'll have just dropped our Joe Lynch interview. An excellent time. Uh, we talk Sealable Flesh. He gives us some very cool trivia about the making of that movie. Um, and then he also talks about two of his favorite uh, Tales from the Crypt episodes and kind of how Tales from the Crypt has influenced his work. Uh, so please go check that out. It's a good time. Uh, Other announcement is that uh, the week after this comes out, I'll be at CreepyCon with Al Katz. So come say hi. Al actually has a table, so I'll be around there and just kind of roaming in general. And where's CreepyCon at, Jason? It's in Ontario, California, not Canada. (laughs) The other Ontario. (laughs) Okay. But tonight, again, like I said, we were talking the second uh, Black Mirror episode, season one, episode two. Uh, 15 million of merits, which came out on December 11th, 2011.
2: Jody, hold on a second. Before we oh, get into yeah. this, oh. I have started looking at the list of guests that will be a creepy con. Uh huh. And I will now be one degree separated from Nev Campbell because Jason would have been in the convention with Nev Campbell. Yeah,
1: that no, works. I think I've, I've, I've like walked by her desk before, her like table thing.
2: So, did you yeah. Did you say anything? Did you say hi? No, I mean, <laughs> no, there's like a
1: huge line, but like you can still like. Yeah,
2: that's fun. Yeah, it's cool. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow less. That's less cool than meeting someone who looks like Nev Campbell. (laughs) All right,
1: Joy, I know you're waiting. Tell us what happens.
0: All right. So before I get into this, let me just say I I hate that I missed last week because I it it snowed in Tennessee like a year's worth of snow in one night. Like they, it's literally like we get like eight inches of snow and we got eight inches of snow last Sunday. And so I've been at home all week long. I, I had left the house for an hour and a half on Wednesday and then it snowed again the next day. And then I left the house for like an hour today. I, I'm like a bear coming out of a cage. I have no idea what's coming out of a cave. I have no idea what's going on. I I have I've spent this entire week in limbo, not knowing what day of the week it is. And so I missed last week, and now I get to, to get to join in here. And uh, yeah, if you have any like quick
1: thoughts, maybe at the eight, when we're done with talking about this one, about the first episode, uh, you can go ahead and.
0: Okay, that's that, fine. I don't. I don't want to get too much into a different episode while we're on this one. That's it's yeah. fine. I just want to say I, I do like Black Mirror a lot. Like as a series, uh, I'm excited to get into it. Uh, prior to watching Black Mirror, I was a big fan of Charlie Brooker. Uh, he had a show on uh, British TV called Newswipe, where it talked about like news and politics with like a humorous kind of rant about things. The reason I'm bringing that up is it's going to be relevant later uh, mm-hmm. as we talk about this episode. That was his thing. He railed against politics and entertainment and talked about how vapid and stupid they were. And he's an entertainer and a politician as far as, like, on TV. So, important stuff. But anyway, big fan of this. I watched this years ago, and I just watched it again today. And so let's get into what Black Mirror Episode 2 is. Okay, so we meet our main character. His name is Bing, played by Daniel Kaluuya. I had to look up how to say his name because I've always said it like Kahlua the cop, like the liquor. But it, yeah. it's pretty close to that. Like, it's, it's almost that. But Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, Plays Bing and he lives in this room and everybody in this society lives in rooms that are very small, almost cell-like rooms that have big display screens on all the walls, the ceiling, everywhere you look, there's displays. And on those displays, there'll be shows, there'll be things that look like YouTube video type stuff, content, very like, you know, cheaply produced stuff. And a reality TV show uh, that's like, uh, I guess for Britain, it'd be X Factor or American Idol. And these shows are playing all the time. Uh, Ads will pop up. And throughout the day, you have to get on a stationary bike, pedal that bike. And through pedaling that bike, you earn merits. Um, Those merits can be used to buy your food, your toothpaste. They're all interactive screens like... uh, it's not quite a touchscreen. It's more like a connect, like uh, for the Xbox. You know, you can kind of wave your hand around in front of it and interact with it. And uh, you earn your merits, and then you can, you know, pay for everything with them, including, like, skipping the ads. There's a porn ad for Wraith Girls that pops up over and over, and uh, Bing always skips the ad. But... So that your entire society is built around this idea that you're generating electricity on these bikes, and you're using the money... Barrets that you get from that to live off of.
2: Uh, and one thing to keep in mind, too, how you said that he can uh, skip an ad. He has to pay credits to skip an right, ad. You have to pay for that. And mm-hmm. when he tries to close his eyes, a loud sound blurs down on him so mm-hmm. you can't even like, not watch the ad if you don't want you to. So to watch yeah, creepy. It's, it, it's like being trapped in a phone, like, if you, like in yeah. a mobile game
0: that you can't get out of, and the ads are always there.
2: Oh, that's a good way to put it.
0: So, uh, one day he hears a woman named Abby singing in the bathroom, and he says, you have a great voice, and uh, he said, you should audition for this reality show. It's called Hotshot, and everyone knows about it. It's a big thing in the society. You need to audition for it. In order to audition, though, you have to have 15 million merits, and that takes a long time to build up, Uh, but uh, Bing actually has that because his brother died and all of his merits got transferred to him, so he does. He has 15 million merits, which, you know, basically... He can buy anything he wants. He can skip any ads he wants. Uh, But he said he would be willing to give her 15 million merits so that she could audition. And he would go with her. And um, she goes for it. Uh, They go to this audition. And like I said, it's very much American Idol. There's even a Simon Cowell type figure. And um, she sings her song. Well, before she even gets to her song, there's three judges. Again, American Idol style, two dudes and, a, and a Paula Abdul in the middle. And uh, one of the dudes is named Wraith. He is the guy from the Wraith Girls porn channel. And literally the moment she gets up on stage, he says, you know, show me them titties. Like that's his from the beginning. He starts talking um, about her, like objectifying her. She I sings right <laughs> now. Oh, yeah, I want to like that guy. She's <laughs> infuriating. <laughs> She sings her song and they say, you know, she did great. It's a beautiful song, but she's too beautiful. She's got too good of a body. She needs to get on Wraith's channel and become a porn actress. And if if you do that, then from here on out, you will never have to ride a bike again. You'll be taken care of um, and you'll kind of break out of this life of drudgery. All you got to do is sell your body for it. Right. And they also say like, you know, we've had too many
1: singers or meet, we too met her in or whatever. And they also give her a drink called compliance, which I guess is just right. to make her more agreeable. To yeah. They no, agree it's,
0: her. This very much had a uh, brave new world kind of feel to yeah. it for me mm-hmm. where everyone's taking Soma all the time to just kind of keep everything chill. And that's what's happened with this compliance drink is it's just to keep everybody kind of chill. Nobody arguing, nobody fighting. So anyway, um, they say, you know, what you really need to do is join Wraith Babes and they put her on the spot right there and all the people are yelling at her through this little virtual world and she says, yes. Bing gets dragged off. He He's, he's trying to get her to stop, but he gets dragged off. So in, in his room back at the little place, he sees an ad for Wraith Babes come up with Abby in it. And this isn't just like, you know, like a phone sex line. This is like, nasty hardcore like abuse kind of stuff like the women have streaked, crying mascara they have fingers shoved in their mouth it's nasty and but it's it's being advertised all the time we don't, we don't king shame here
2: that's no the it's, it's, it's it's totally fine <laughs> it's exploitative
0: though, because in it's, the context of this yes. yeah.
2: it, it feels very gross in that after you see what happens to abby you feel like they're these these women are only there because of the promise of a better life based on what they had to deal with before like no one's like you know you you people nowadays there's a lot of sex workers out there and sex work is valid work but they're doing their work by their own free will and because they want to do that kind of work not because (laughs) they're being forced into it by this Mm. wraith i want to fight that man right yeah
0: Yeah, no that's something i want to talk about with this episode we'll get into it more later i'm sure but You know, like, there is a way to do sex work in a, you know, very affirmative, positive way. You know, you make this decision. That's not what happened here. This is somebody who basically had no more options getting sucked into a world she didn't want to be a part of. Okay. Um, But he sees this ad. He tries to look away. And obviously when he closes, he, he doesn't have enough merits left to skip the ad. He tries to close his eyes so he doesn't see her in these scenes. The thing beeps at him, turns red. He has to watch the video. And not just once. He has to keep on watching it over and over as this ad pops up. And he gets so frustrated with it, starts beating on one of the walls and breaks one of the screens and ends up with a big, like, sliver of glass uh, that he hangs on to. And so then Bing begins, like, living super frugally and spending all of his time on the bike Trying to earn money, he keeps looking. He got a stamp on his hand when he got to the uh, Hot Shots game, and uh, he keeps looking at that to remind him what he's working for. And what he's working for is to build up fifteen million merits so that he can go on Hot Shots. And we see him kind of practicing a little dance routine, and he uh, he goes on. He earns his merits uh, through scrimping and saving and eating scraps left over from other people. And when he gets on, he says, I'm an entertainer. I'm going to do my little dance. And he starts doing his dance, but then pulls out the shard, holds it to his neck where he's going to stab himself and begins on a rant. Basically, it's kind of stream of consciousness about, you know, how this system they live in is heartless. It's it's artificial. It uses people. People don't see people as people. And uh, this is this exploitive system. He goes on and on about it. And at the end, the judges go, well, that is the most heartfelt speech we've heard this season. And we want to offer you a show where you can do this twice a week. The same kind of thing, holding the the, uh, shard to your neck. And so in the end, we see Bing in this very nice apartment. He's got orange juice available for him to pour. He doesn't have to get out of a little machine. He's got a great view, maybe, of trees. Maybe it's screens. I don't even know. But it looks nicer. He's not surrounded by the screens at all time. And he gives his angry rants twice a week, 30 minutes a week, as now a part of the system while he complains about the system. And that's it. All right.
2: Mondo, start us off. All right. So this, there's a lot going on in this episode, and – there's a lot to be, it's, there's a lot of stuff on here. And uh, by the way, Jody, the more you talked about it, the more I am, I, I, I said before the episode that I didn't love this, but I kind of did. And mm-hmm. I think what, I, I think it frustrated me it, it made me angry in ways, but that's good when we can, it didn't uh-huh. make me angry, like it's terrible film, you know, writing or anything like that. It made me angry because of, it, it's kind of a real parallel to our role today. And the, the sad piece is you have these got these people that um Abby being a great example of it, who would do anything to get, to step away from the mundane existence of just being on a exercise bike all day and earning credits. And uh, I feel a lot of times, especially, I don't know about you guys, but the older I get routine can be a, a, a motherfucker <laughs> for lack of a better term <laughs> some, sometimes you get stuck in a routine and it does feel like life is kind of hopeless. And I think a lot of people have given that choice Would Take the choice she took. I don't fault her at all for that. I fault the surrounding environment around her for pushing her towards that choice. And the, for the for the for the gentleman, um, the only thing also I did not like is that I I, I think it would have been even a, a more profound statement if he have killed himself on live TV, and then they could have done something to show how that had the best rating of all time or something like that for that show. And the other piece was those judges when he threatened to kill himself, that one judge goes, "Just do it." Like, just don't get blood on me because I'll beat you back to life. I'm like, I, you mm, fucking piece of shit. Uh, (laughs) They didn't care about his life. They care again about uh, the the money and the ratings and and what's going to come from that. And it also shows more how, you know, it's uh, one of the, one of the things that I'm not going to get too political here, but one of the things that politicians try to do is they try to make us all think we're divided when the reality of it is the dividing line isn't between, you know races or color, the dividing line is being classes. And it, it's really this elite trying to keep everybody else fighting so no one can ever rise up and ever become better. And this is kind of what it's reminding me of is we, is people just as commodities. Because when you think about it, when you're given a social security number and you pay taxes, you're a commodity. Uh, you're earning money and you're taking a percentage of that and giving it to the, to the government who's, who's funneling or wherever. And I think this episode is a very, very um, grim kind of look at that. And also the the bombardment of media, I think, is is another big piece of this because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, um, I think, who is it? Um, I think Michael Sarah d- refuses to buy a smartphone. He uses a flip phone, flip phone, because his mentality is he goes, I he feels like they're getting we're getting bombarded by so much information, and the goal is to keep us docile and keep us entertained with the lady. Granted, as a guy who just ranted about football for 15 minutes, I'm part of the problem. I'm not going to say I'm not, but it's true that we're given all these distractions like podcasts, all these, uh, all this media to to kind of sometimes close us off from, from seeing the real world that's around us and out there. And I I, I thought that him breaking the TV screen and using that as his, what mm -hmm. was going to be a suicide implement was kind of a really cool. Very symbolic of of breaking that glass ceiling or breaking that mold and and stepping outside of it. I I would think, though, if he had
0: succeeded in his mission, it wouldn't have been as bleak of an episode. Even though he would have died, because he would have at least made a statement.
1: Right. I think what this episode
0: is trying to say is even even your rebellion against the system can be used by the system for the system's benefit. Yeah. Like even, even. like it, it's it's bleak. Like as we get into the Black Mirror episodes, like there's gonna be a lot of bleakness in there of like the the system is so rigged that even railing against the system can be used by the system. You know, like the the nonconformists shopping at the mall <laughs> and wearing clothes to be like, fuck you, everybody. But you bought them at the mall and all of your friends wear the same clothes and buy the same brands oh. and the bands that are like anti-establishment, they still sell merch that you wear. And like, I it, mean, and all yeah. the
1: clothes are being made by the same, really the same company. All the clothing right, made by the right. same I'm a, sure the, like Hot topic is probably yeah. all right, like same places gap or well, any, uh,
2: any, uh, punk, not a knock on punks. But I still remember in high school when you'd have those punks. I'd walk around with the you know the two hundred and fifty dollar leather jackets that their parents bought them, and the expensive Doc Martens or New yeah. Rock boots, and mm-hmm. the, the the hair which you obviously went and spent money on like and all like the. But you have an anarchy patch on. You do realize that that's a completely a hundred percent against what you're what you're presenting here. An anarchy you know. patch bought at Walmart.
1: <laughs> you know, right. like I mean, it's all used, the rebellion becomes uh, um, a feature, not a uh, right. not a bug.
2: I, I think the the depressing thing is, I I think as we get older, we tend to accept it more. Yeah. Whereas when you're younger and you're still kind of idealistic, and, and not saying you can't be older and be idealistic, I think we all have talked before about how you know our, our 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 goals in this world are very simple. It's we want everyone to just accept each other for who they are and love each other, and there's no place for hate. I, I, but I think when you're younger, though, you have a, a you're you're more apt to rally against the status quo and rally against taxes or whatever. Who knows? But like when you get older, I think you fall once that, that routine just becomes life and it becomes another piece of life. And you, you don't really feel as slighted. But then I'll watch something like this at the end. I was a little bit heated. I was a little bit yep. a little bit upset. Yeah, Yeah. this this episode i think it's a great
0: episode i i i missed last week i like this one a lot better than last week uh but it's an episode that makes you angry or it does me anyway (laughs) like it's it's maddening
2: yeah
1: man um yeah i mean i'll hop in uh i like i like this episode a lot um one of my all-time favorite movies is Network. Are you guys familiar oh, with yeah. Network?
2: Yeah, I've honestly man, never seen of it. That yeah, I know I it is.
1: So it's basically a, a long-time man is told that he's about to be fired. So he goes, and then, like you only have like a week worth of broadcast left. So he goes on and says, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i being fired. Um, and as my last act as a journalist, I'm going to kill myself on air. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then everyone like goes crazy about it. It so comes like this huge buzz story. And then um, they say, oh, no, we love it keep going keep talking about that and then he ends up going off and becoming like a, his own like talk show he brings in like all these crazy per- just like all those like little videos he brings in like all these crazy personalities and it kind of mm-hmm. spirals off from there so uh this reminds me a lot of network which is my all-time favorite movies it reminds me a lot of those kind of trends in the late aughts early 2000s uh, games like second life that was kind of like mm-hmm. living your life online because a lot of the characters all the characters on here had like avatars and they were buying things digitally so like you could actually buy the piece of glass that he mm-hmm. was using like a digitized yeah. version, a oh, version.
2: Funny. i didn't catch that piece that's crazy um
1: yeah um I I am curious, does everyone live in one of these places or do some people choose to live in these places? I was a little unclear.
0: I kind of got the impression that this was kind of normal life for most people to be in this kind of situation. I, I saw the
2: you know, same as this being like the service industry or something to that effect, because you still had, yeah, you have to, you have to think other people do do have to have different lives because there was a group of team dressed in yellow that were cleaning everything. So they right. obviously don't ride the bike. So they get, they have, they have to get their merits a different way. So I'm assuming that there's different walks of life and obviously it's the celebrities. I mean, it's got, you know, the, yeah. yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of beside the point,
1: but that was just a question I had. Um, I love the ideas here. I do think this episode runs a little long, just as like, from a film standpoint as like a mm-hmm. critique compared to last week's episode, which is just like very kinetic. This one's a little more slower, more contemplative, which is fine. Um, it's just me. I feel like a and there's slightly like, it could cut out five, 10 minutes. I think this would have been a lot tighter. Mm-hmm. I do love that woman, uh, with the white hair who keeps, mm-hmm. um, auditioning. <laughs> it's just kind of standing yeah. here. No. Oh, I kind of liked her character. Um, gang of you know is he's always good at everything you know he's in no nope so get out and black panther and this was like five years before any of that so it's cool to see him kind of not unknown but kind of this is how this might have been his like international breakout role mm-hmm. um abby's played by jessica brown Finde, um again a lot of English TV which was on Downton Abbey the director um euros lynn um he did a bunch of Doctor Who and he did some of the Marvel's Daredevil show those on Netflix Good show. I love that show. Great show. It's a great show. Um and I love the look. Like the production design is really mm-hmm. cool. I'm really I'm, I'm trying to figure out like which parts were green screen, which parts were actual screens. Um it's very interesting. I was reading about the, so there's that last scene where he's kind of in his uh, apartment. And he sees the greenery, and we're not sure if it's a TV screen or whether it's actual greenery that you can see. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, I was re online a little bit that like it tracks with the camera where no other backgrounds do that. Um, okay. So that's supposed to be a hint that that's actually he's he's reached a level where he can actually see outside,
0: see real. Well, because one of the things he keeps saying yeah. throughout the whole episode is he wants something real. Like right. He's tired of this artificial world. He eats apples for his lunch. He, the reason he gives Abby the money is because he's like, this is something real that can happen. Mm. Like, but that's even, motivation. Even the apples are like packaged
2: too. Right. Is, yeah, even the, the apples have thing. a wrapper on them. Yeah. Um, it's almost yeah, so like they, they should develop an apple with a natural protection against the elements. I don't know. Yeah. I mean,
0: I, I definitely have <laughs> seen online, like, a Banana that's been peeled and then wrapped in plastic and put on a thing for people to mm. buy. Yeah, like,
1: like,
2: <laughs> it already um, had. Why, why'd you take it out of its original? It now I,
1: I love the video game that they were playing. I kind of want to play that where it's like you're just kind of using holding your hands, which I guess is probably I never had a connect, but I don't, that's somewhat how the connect <laughs> yeah. worked. But that looked a lot of fun. I was like, okay, well, I mean, I, I'd play that it, game. It's the
0: video game shooting service workers? Because it looks like yeah, they're yeah, shooting yeah. Guys yeah. Right. I was curious. Like, yeah, I, I feel like okay. that's another layer of like division in this society that they've built is like everyone looks down on the people who clean up <laughs> and then they play games where they murder them. Like, so they're poor, but they still have people who are poorer than them that they can like blame are, for everything.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, it, too. <laughs> it's a common thing if you ever work service industries, you'll meet people who. They probably make like, I, I used to laugh. And I'm, I were, I, Apple paid me very well, but people would always shit on me and think they're better than me because they didn't work in retail. Yeah. And uh, and I think some people who, when they have that, just with, like, I guess, a little bit of power, uh, they let it go to their heads because that's mm-hmm. all they have. So, and, and, it, and I think George Carlin used to kind of say, he goes, um, the rich people keep the poor people around to scare the shit of the middle class. Because mm-hmm. the middle class just wants to know they have it better than these people do. And I, I think that's kind of what you brought up with them with with the hierarchy of service mm-hmm. workers there.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, because there's that one guy who's just kind of a jackass. Um that's also on the bikes. Oh, yeah. He's a super on the oh. yeah. Um yeah, overall, again, a lot of the cool ideas. I did love his dance mm-hmm. that he did yeah, to try to get on. on. That was real fun. Um Again, you didn't really need that. That's why. That's why. Like, the like, I like how they put little bits of levity in the show in this episode to like make you kind of giggle through like the cringe. Because yeah, yeah, there's no reason for the dance. He could have
0: just pull out the glass and done what he did immediately. Yeah, I think that's something that Black Mirror does well. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlie Brooker is a comedian. Like that's his his trade before Black Mirror, and so there there are moments like that that kind of soften some of the blow a little bit, but not enough that, you know, you don't feel bad after it's over. It doesn't yeah, it doesn't take you out of it.
1: It's organic to it's organic to the to the universe, but it's still like it doesn't need to be there per se, but it fits. It's still funny. Like, you know, and then he gives at the very end he's giving his rant, he's holding the piece of glass. And at the very end he like just drops the whole persona is like, and see you next week. And then he puts like the piece of glass in this like lined um container. Like it's a this
0: this This definitely feels like, you know, a story about how the same system that you hope can free you from this life of drudgery can exploit you in ways that you didn't even know were possible. (laughs) Uh, You know, Abby wanted freedom. She got exploitation. And even being like, he got the penthouse, but he's just being exploited, too. Like, his, his passionate words don't mean anything because... They're it's just being used for entertainment purposes and other products.
2: Yeah. And, and he's saying he's being, he has been exploited, but he's just reached a level now where he doesn't have to bike anymore. So he's okay with being exploited because it means right. he doesn't have to do the daily grind. Yeah. And it's, it's God, it's very, very telling in better modern society. Um, yeah. The other aspect is the kind of America's got talent show or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. have you, have, do you ever, do you know anyone that's ever auditioned for that here in the States? Mm-hmm. So I know. I, I know someone that did, and they're actually a fantastic singer. And they just got told, no, you're, you're good. So yeah, they go through a panel of judges first, who then decides who gets to go on TV and go to the three judges. So there are people who are bad, obviously that make it to the celebrity judges. Mm -hmm. How fucked up is it that these panel of judges are telling them they're awesome? They're awesome. They're awesome. Building them up just so they can get shit on, on national TV. And I'm sure that some people don't care, right? They just, they know, they get it. They're like, I'm just going through the motions. I want to be on TV. I'm going to make an ass of myself. That's totally cool. If that's like your thing, totally cool. But I wonder how many people go home legitimately heartbroken over what they're told by Paul Abdul or whoever. And I'm not knocking her. His first name came to my head. I forgot the, I forgot the, 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 the dirtbag. Yeah, Simon and Randy. Um, but I wonder how many people get heartbroken because of that. And I, I think those shows have done harm when it comes to the, the youth of America. Whereas I think people think the way you have to make it uh, or the way to make it in your trade, whether you're a comedian or a singer is to go on this show and become big when the reality of it is, is the way you should really, you can just go start a shitty band in the garage with your friends and just play and get better. Go do open mic nights no, until you get practice. better. And yeah. I, I think, I think they're being, people are being sold this, this false hope And being told this is the only way you can, and and that's whatever. But the scary part is when you start telling people and trying to train people that this is the only way you can escape these restraints is by becoming big on the show. Whereas now there's many ways you can do it. It's just different. But I I, I I think this
0: episode speaks to something that, you know, most of us can relate to. Like I, you know, who hasn't had the thought of one day you win the lottery or you make it big and like, Everything changes in one day. You know, you have this big moment, and I I think all of us can look and go, "Yeah, that—that's something I've dreamed about before in the past." I know I definitely have. Like, I remember as a little kid, like filling out the um, Publishers Clearinghouse things that my grandma would do, I'd fill them out. I'd send them back in. Like, I I wanted Ed McMahon to show up. You know,
2: (laughs) it's kind of—I mean, I live in Las Vegas, right? Where that's what our whole economy is based on—is people thinking (laughs) they're going to come here and leave millionaires. And the reality of it is, is these casinos are so damn big because we take in record profits from people that lose money. And that's a whole nother exploitation thing. I don't want to get into because most of my money comes thanks to casinos, but that's a whole other story.
0: (laughs) Uh, Jordy,
2: you you have
0: the floor. Oh, um, just in general about the episode. (laughs) 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 What what am I supposed to be talking about here? No, but I, I think, I think it's a really good episode. It's something that I feel is very relatable. Uh, You know, they do a good job of making you care about these characters in such a short time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though Daniel Kaluuya barely speaks, like he he man a few words in this episode Mm – I you know I feel his struggle like yeah. of the daily grind of having to get up and do the thing and just wanting something more out of life like I I understand what that's like uh, the relationship between him and Abby I thought was very sweet like it's very cute like it's because everything's been so artificial up until then when you see them kind of make a genuine connection it's it's nice it's you know he sends her the ticket and she gives him this little uh paper penguin that she made, like that's Oregon. And, and in the end, I noticed in his like penthouse, there was a penguin statue in there. Like he's still holding on oh, to all cool. this. He's still like, you know, dealing with, with what happened. Cause he accidentally participated in her exploitation, you know, right. he didn't mean to, but he did.
2: He, he did. And there lies, it lies another morality question, right? At the end of the day, does that help or hurt her? Um, right. Except for, I don't, was that if that was her in that last like pornographical scene, mm-hmm. um it was very uncomfortable because yeah. again, it looked like she wasn't a willing participant in what was happening. No, in that and that was very, very like I got goosebumps just thinking about it because it kind of made me feel super icky. Yeah. Um Joy, did you
1: read the trivia on this
0: one? Um on IMDB or I, yeah, I've read, really I read. I cool. read a bunch. I read some Wikipedia, and yeah, there's, so, there's a nice long article on Wiki about
1: it. Yeah. Did, did you read that about that the name? So the three judges we talked about one them's named Wraith, mm-hmm. and the other one the woman's named Charity, and the other guy that, that is kind of the, the Simon Cowell guy is Hope. So okay. Kind of it's, so, and I guess it's it's really some a Bible verse, but basically like it's interesting because he's always the guy who's Hope is always the first one to comment. So he's mm-hmm. the one that you're kind of going to looking for Hope. Mm-hmm. And then Charity chimes in to try to soften the blow. And then Wraith, like, swings in to try to seduce you. So I thought that was cool. an interesting kind of progression in there.
2: Yeah, it's cool. Um,
1: and then another thing that they that they talked about is that, like, they were they tried to set some ambiguity on whether the cycling actually does anything. Right. Because so, they talk about how it's supposed to be creating uh, electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that, they, at one point they talked about putting something in the episode where like they they find out that it's not actually doesn't actually do anything. It's just it's just keeping literally a mouse on the wheel, right? <sighs> <Look>.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this episode makes me feel tired, man. Like it's like mm-hmm. I, at the end of it, I I, I feel you know, angry and tired. I, <laughs>
2: I, I said last week, Jody, that I think Jason just thought we were having too much fun with Tales from the crypt. <laughs> let's bring this shit down a notch. But yeah, no I, kidding, man. But the one thing I do love about so far, just the two of us that we've done is a conversation. It brings up and the way it mm-hmm. makes me yep. think. And uh, I watched a lot of this stuff when it came out, whatever, eight, 10 years ago. It's been that long. Yep. And I think watching it again now with, you know, eight to 10, was it eight years ago, 2015, 16, uh, 2011. 2011.
1: 2011. Oh, I mean, it might come um, to Netflix later, so that's probably. Yeah, but,
2: but what I mean though is, I, I feel like I'm I'm watching it with a different set of eyes now, and mm-hmm. and for the, probably for the better that I'm, you know, more uh I don't know, more aware of what's happening, yeah. and, and yeah. it kind of makes me think sometimes when I see stuff like this or you mentioned Network, which I haven't seen, but I know the premise of, and uh, they live where yep. you see these movies that and these these television shows that kind of mimic what's happening in our world and it's like what are these people Do these people know something that they're trying to tell us right yeah
1: well it's we're going back to them like 20 30 years after they remain like oh this is still just
2: as revel- rev- relevant if not even more obvious Oh, mm. they live is it gets more relevant as the years go on. Like, I, I yeah. remember watching that in the 90s. Now I was like 15 mm-hmm. or 16 and then watching it now. It's like, oh, it's way different. And um, <laughs> that, but that's also the that's also the, you know, uh, again, much like Black Mirror here. That's also a credit to the, 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 the filmmakers, the writers, et cetera, et cetera, oh, yeah. for making a piece of media that can fit in with all these different time periods. Much like Black Sabbath War Pigs is still relevant today. Right.
0: Yeah, no, I I had read that this was actually one of the first episodes written of the series before uh, the National Anthem one last week.
2: His Uh, wife, um, Charlie Brooker's wife, I can't remember her name. She's actually pretty famous um, in England. I think she wrote it, right? Yeah.
0: Right. She was co-writer with him. But the the rant at the end was a Charlie Brooker rant, basically, about Mm. society and artificiality. Like He wrote that rant and did it with Daniel Kaluuya. Um, because I'm, I'm sure, like, on a personal level, this is him, right? Like, he rails against the media, he rails against politicians, but he's part of the same system. He's on TV. Well, so, it, like...
2: I remember reading yeah. his wife kind of had the idea for the episode because she kind of told him one time, I think you'd be perfectly happy in a room by yourself with just your media. Well, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> that kind of hurts. <laughs> like, but, but you know what, though? Like, I mean let's be honest right how many of us when i come home from work you know i do i'm gonna throw on records and listen to media yeah. listen to music mm-hmm. i want to walk when i'm, I'm my wife and I on the couch we're gonna throw a movie on or throw a tv on or something oh, games, oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, we're man we're it really all...
0: does get a little close
2: man <laughs> or if you're reading a book dude it's just saying it's still media right and um i i don't I never want to get into this. Like, again, we're, we're talking about an episode where they talk about the, the, the consumption of media by the masses and how it controls us. It's true on many, many different levels, which is why, again, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I practice in an art form called jujitsu. Oh, and, really? uh, all if I've cool. ever talked about it before the show, no. I want to make sure everybody knows that bring, you bring and, that up more <laughs> if, if, if Jody's kids that do karate and are good at karate. I think that those are some of the last bastions you have of, or kids playing sports in high school of true, like authentic playtime outside of media. Yeah. And I am a big proponent that as adults, um, the thing I learned from jujitsu more than anything is that adults need that playtime. Uh, No matter what it is, whether it's jujitsu or you go take walks or you do uh, pickleball, pickleball's big or uh, dude fucking like it sounds, it sounds kind of edgy, but S&M is the same thing. Like BDSM is basically adults playing with toys. And, And I think, I think it's something we lose as we get older and we really, and the toys are way cooler though. Except for <laughs> I think you <he, laughs> okay we're sure that I have a really <laughs> great <laughs> Optimus Prime Which year? toys are, you, are we still
0: on BDSM when you're talking about the toys. I bought toys. that remote
2: control Godzilla. have you guys seen this? Yeah, I haven't. Oh dude, you haven't Jody, I'm gonna send you a video after we're done. Um the remote Excellent. control Godzilla, <laughs> you press the button and its spine lights up and it breathes out a mist and it looks like radioactive Rock. breath. Ugh. Fucking best 60 bucks I've ever spent at Target in my life. Um <laughs> But that is For not I was a saying, saying pick, I, was, I was saying pick up basketball not pickleball <laughs> Oh yeah. no I said pickleball Oh okay Pickle. you said pickleball okay. Yeah pickleball is actually <laughs> what, what's funny is I used to know this guy I used to work with who's in his 80s that started the pickleball league um in yeah. his retirement community and then a few years later I just heard all this stuff about how it became kind of a, a big deal uh, a lot yeah. of people like playing pickleball I don't know what it is though It seems like tennis yeah. No. yeah something like
0: that but you all know right. I I, I'm emerging from this week of being at home all week. And, like, I have the, have my office. And you can see parts of it if you're watching the video. You can see stuff behind me. I have tons of action figures and stuff like that. Me too. And it's really cool. And it makes me happy. Yeah. But at the same time, like, my life can't be made of, like, plastic toys and movies. And, like, you have to have something real from time to time. You know, like... Mm-hmm. I, that's what he was going for. I think you know. You were talking about playtime. You know, it does me good when the weather is good and I get to go outside and go like hike or walk or any. Just be a human outdoors. you know without my phone uh, for a little while, and I, I don't think I get enough of that. I know I don't. I know I've, no. Like I,
2: I was really eye opening when I was at that metal fest in Miami a couple years ago because that's how it was. We had no cell phone reception, and it was just. In the middle, in the, in, in, you know, in the, in nature and watching metal bands play. So, yeah, yeah, I was consuming media while I was doing it, but God, it was just like a beautiful, just atmosphere. And
0: there's something different about live music too, I think. Like with real people standing up there yeah. in front of you compared to just, you know, listening to Spotify. Like,
2: yeah. I think it's amazing that
0: we have access to like every movie and every song ever written all the time. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know if it's good for us all
2: the time. You well, know, well, one thing I love about vinyl, <laughs> here, I'm going to move my camera over so you guys can see my vinyl collection. Mm-hmm, look at that. Look at that. Look right. at that. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that album cover. That's Mortician uh, Chainsaw Dismemberment. That's a cool album cover, uh, but not a great record. But a cool album cover that I really is it, nostalgic for me, but uh, I think one thing about physical media, whether it be a, a Blu-ray, even like the act of mm-hmm. having to get up and put it in the machine and now you've made a conscious choice and you're locked into this movie, right? Like, or you're locked, locked like- into this album. I think that actually gives us a greater connection to the media than when you can just pick uh man. Like I, I just watched the Ted series on, on Peacock mm-hmm. and, uh, really enjoyed it. had a great time. I just watched eight episodes and I can tell you maybe four or five things that happened from it because I was was doing other things while I was watching it and it was kind of background noise. And it's almost, I'm almost discrediting the media because it's actually really good, but it's just a a dis, I think streaming is just a little bit of a disconnect.
0: Yeah, I get that. There's a reason why we're all nostalgic for the video stores that, that time of going and really carefully considering and picking something up that's different than scrolling through Netflix, you know, but just remember the the excitement of
2: it. Okay.
0: I was thinking,
1: but do you remember the frustration of having to rewind the video and wait for No, it never
2: bothered me.
0: That's just part yeah. of it. I'm I'm, I'm, rewind. I'm very much of two minds about all this. I love that we have this kind of access. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also I miss when things were a little less, you know, digital.
2: I don't think it's any worse. Um when people say it's worse, that's I think that's really a um a Luddite say it thing like Luddite I say If I pronounce that right or luddit thing to say. Um it's just different. Yeah it's different. Right. It's different. And 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 again, you know, I also I'd love to get the pers This would have been a good episode actually to have some of our younger um like me and my daughter on mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that because I, I don't know if they have that same connection to the media they consume via streaming. Whereas I think for us, maybe it is a little bit of nostalgia because we remember, we remember how it used to be and the, the connection we had to when you bought an album and physically had to put your hands on it and open that CD case with the annoying fucking stickers on it and, <laughs> and put it in your stereo. All right. Well, let's wrap up our
1: review. Uh, like, so we're still doing our out of five uh, stars. Jody, where do you get this episode?
0: Uh, for me, this is a five-star.
2: All right, Mondo. Man, I was going to go less, but the more we talk about it and the more I have to love anything that can bring forth this conversation, as much passion, uh, I'm going to give it a five. That's two for two fives, in my opinion. And uh, realistically, if I could go back a week, I'd probably give last week's a four and a half because I do think this is a better episode.
1: Hmm. I'm going 4.5. Just mm-hmm, You would. slightly, like, for the, Just for the reasons I <laughs> said. Does James even like Black Mirror? Here we go again. <laughs> I
2: think four and a half is a bad rating,
1: right? Like- I know. Um, no, it just it didn't move as much as the one before that. Um, and that, and that that's just a personal taste. Just a slight nitpick. yeah no, but-
2: I, 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 I'm with you, and I think that realistically, sometimes like having these discussions. This discussion definitely took it because my original brain said four and a half. And the more we right. talked about, it, I'm like, nah, this is a five. But I'm, um, I, I am with you, Jason. I do think it's a little bit long in the tooth, and they could have cut a little bit out and maybe got it down to maybe, maybe fifty-five minutes or so. Yeah, just a slug.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think in the end, the reason I end up with a five for this one is, you know, I watched it ten years ago, twelve years ago, mm-hmm. whatever. But I'm still even even though I've already seen it and I rewatched it, I'm probably going to be thinking about this all next week. Like this is going right. to be playing in my head all week long for this one hour of media that I watch. So that
2: that's worth something to me.
1: Definitely. All right. Mondo, give us your song of the day.
2: All righty. So, um, after watching this episode, as I burp into the microphone, I apologize to anyone out there. It's offended by burping, but eh, what are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> we're all old fuckers. Uh, there's a band who came out in the early nineties by the name of dying fetus. Kind of the joke was if we name our band dying fetus is obviously for shock value as part of it. Um, but they, they relate, they released our first, um, they did some demos, uh, infatuation with malevolence was their demo from 94. And then they released, um, uh, purification through violence which recently got a vinyl release. And I was kind of, interested on it because when the cd was out they had some questionable intros of some of the songs that when i was 17 i'm like haha this is cool but at 40 i'm like mm, not so much and they took those intros out which people got mad about but i'm like dude it's 2024 it's okay for a band to rethink maybe we shouldn't have put that in there <laughs> um and then they released the grotesque impalement ep which is amazing everyone should listen to grotesque impalement they released killing on adrenaline uh, which had the famous song of "Kill Your Mother and Rape Your Dog," which is about it, the again the whole the, the whole song is about um, the music industry. I mean, if you listen to the lyrics, it, it makes sense. And he, he, they may, might be one thing is like, oh, why do we name it that? But it makes sense when you listen to the song. Right. But then in, in 2000, they released a groundbreaking album called "Destroy the Opposition," and I'll tell you guys, see, get, just Google it, look at the album cover because it'll kind of make sense. And they became they got really political and, and for all the right reasons. I mean, um, uh, the front man, John Gallagher has always been a, a staple in the band uh, lead guitarist. And uh, the, he does all the cookie monster gurgly vocals, like, <clears throat> that kind of stuff. And uh, Jason Neerton, who eventually started misery index. Cause I, I think John Gall- Gallagher is notoriously hard to work with, uh, but he started, he, he was an original member and started misery index. And he actually used to run a website called demockery.org. Which, um, think of it as like, I don't wanna call it Drudge Report, but the, the, the GUI was very similar to Drudge Report, as in it was just a list of all this stuff, and he would really seek out, like, this is the shitty things that America is doing, this is the shitty things that other countries are doing. Um, but Destroy the Opposition became a, was a very political record with a really, really profound message in a lot of the songs. And when I'm when I, watching this episode, the first song that popped on my mind right away uh, was our song off that record called Pissing in the Mainstream. Mm which kind of means what it says, but the very last verse of this lyrically fits in with this episode so well. And and, and I'm going to recite the lyrics here. It says the bottom line is money on the Western power scene where celebrities and porn can let the population dream. They're pathetic humans living in an advertising glut who devour with the passion what the mainstream vomits up. And I thought that was like perfectly like poignant for this yeah. episode. And, yeah. um, if you, if you look back on it, granted the album came out 24 years ago, all the people in the band are almost like 50. Now it's a little bit sophomore and I don't hold that against bands that did that stuff in their young days. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of really, really great stuff on this album. Um, the one knock on it, and this is not really a knock, but it kind of spawned deathcore, which I fucking hate. I hate that genre because it's all a bunch of bands trying to do it like this, but can't do it as well as, as dying fetus ever did. Um, So, uh, I I would say, I would tell everyone, check out the entire album, Dying Fetus, Destroy the Opposition. One of my favorite albums of all time. I still remember ordering this in high school and getting it and just being dropping my jaw at how great the drummer Kevin Talley was. And if you look at Kevin Talley's credits, he's played in like 40 different bands. Uh, just unreal, unreal drummer. Um, but, uh, yeah, destroy song of the week, Dying Fetus, Destroy the Opposition. The song is pissing in the mainstream.
1: It reminds me of when I bought um my first Nirvana album, and my parents were looking <laughs> at sorry. it.
2: I know what a dress, and there's nothing wrong with Nirvana, dude. What a, what a dress, well, no? Well,
1: because there was a song on the album called Rape Me, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, and they were like,
2: uh, We don't know about that. <laughs> I saw a meme that day that says, Oh, hey, you're a Nirvana fan, tell me three things about chakras and enlightenment, then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, so that's great. There was um, also a, a great TikTok video this guy did where he goes, uh, this is how not to deal with another human being. And the guy's got an ACDC shirt on. And the guy was, it was, hey, man, nice ACDC shirt. Name three songs. He goes, how you should deal with the situation. He goes, hey, man, nice ACDC shirt. They fucking suck. <laughs> 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 not a knock on ACDC. Actually, ACDC, if you ever listen to a full record, their deep cuts are better than their radio hits. Just saying. Not my cup of tea, really, but they are. They do have some really, really good songs. I did see... I haven't
1: watched the video yet, but um, Foo Fighters were doing a uh, concert recently, and they had Jack Black come up, and they did a cover of ACDC's uh, Balls. There's-
0: oh, oh God. Balls. <laughs> hmm? Yeah. I, Jack, Jack Black singing that sounds exactly right. We've well,
2: we got the biggest ball so uh, there's yeah. a band
0: yeah, yeah, well, playing on the radio yeah we're <laughs> weird it, song to play on the radio
2: we, i've talked about it before how everyone older people act like their 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 era of music was innocent dude if you ever no. want to see like pedophilia in action <laughs> just fucking listen to ted nugent's lyrics yeah yeah like that dude is mm, not okay she's <laughs> gonna say like <laughs> all right it, he came out as being not okay and then you look back at his lyrics like oh yeah. It was yeah. all right there. It's always, yeah. it was
0: always <laughs> like this. Yeah. All right. Jody, give us some horror news. All right. So we got a couple of releases to mention. Uh, Founders Day. I didn't even realize this. Actually came out a couple of days ago on uh, January 19th. It's in theaters right now. So go check out Founders Day. I am all for this slasher revival we've got going. Me too. And speaking of uh, Thanksgiving just came out on digital. And we'll be coming to Blu-ray and DVD on January 30th. So if you need more Thanksgiving in your life, and I certainly do. I've rewatched it since it's come on digital, and I love it. Yeah, it's, it holds, it's great. It holds up. I might
2: but, have enjoyed it more my second watch. Yeah. Yeah, because knowing knowing the ending and being able to like pick out little pieces. I thought was really really fun,
0: right? Yeah, I no, it there's the reason that it was my favorite movie of the year last year and on the rewatch. I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I, I still stand by my my uh, decision there uh, a couple other release things um Severin is releasing a bunch of new stuff as they always do. And one of the ones they're doing is the classic uh, burial ground with the weird little man with the bowl cut uh, who is (laughs) supposedly a kid, but like is a dude in his 30s. You can now buy your own pillowcase with his face on it uh, with that, you know, thousand yard stare uh, that he has. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please look up burial ground, and you will immediately see this weird little man who's playing a child. It is one of the weirdest weird. movies. It is That's,
2: so, so weird, dude. That pillow is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I, if, first of all, if you're if you're if you're single out there. Like don't have that pillow and bring a date over to your apartment in your house. No,
0: no, no, no. That's that's a an ender right there. That's the end
2: of the night. I I kind of enjoy that movie. If I went to someone's house, and I oh, had that pillow. I'm probably gonna leave. Like,
0: <laughs> I like that movie. It's, yeah, it's not for everybody though. Let's say that. A couple other things. Uh, Let's talk video games. Uh, David F. Sandberg, the guy who did, uh, I think he did Lights Out. He's been doing the Shazam movies, too. He's done done several horror things. But he is directing a movie adaptation of Until Dawn, uh, the video game that came out a couple years ago on uh, PS3. Uh, first all right, so, of
2: all, uh, a, a couple years ago, like eight to 10 years, like 10 years ago, yeah, I, I know it's a
0: long time <laughs> until dawn until dawn's a fun game. It's, 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 it's a great game. It's basically a choose your own adventure slasher movie that you get to try to get through without all your people dying. A lot of fun. I'm excited for a movie adaptation of it because it basically is a movie
2: to begin with. So mm-hmm. it's a fun story, too. Like I thought that was it's a- fun. I loved that game enough to spend seventy dollars on to pre-order the sequel, and have yet to play it because I don't have time. Cory, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah I, the I played
0: through the Cory and ended up liking it quite a bit cool. too. So
2: it, it's it's every time I I'm, I'm trying to play Alan Wake two right now, and I that alone is going to take me the next two to three years to beat. <laughs> Soulsuke, so we'll uh,
0: but but speaking of real quick, while we're on Alan Wake two, man. What a fantastic game.
2: I am so excited to keep
0: playing this game.
2: I, I'm only an hour in and usually I hate that they have a narrative where you have to go into the dreamlike states where you're back and like you're in your yeah. mind, like looking at um evidence, and usually I hate that. But the story is so intriguing and is done so well that I really enjoy it. Like I'm, I'm taking my time. Yeah. I want to find every piece of evidence and research every piece of evidence. And yeah, this uh, is one rare of the game to do. Where- This is one
0: of those games where I look in every corner of everything. Like, I take my time because I want to find everything. They've done a really cool thing of, like, making you figure out the story so that you actually get the whole story as you go through. So it's really cool. Um, Another game coming out that is not not horror, but... uh, Indiana Jones and the great circle will be coming later this year, uh, made by machine games who made all the Wolfenstein games. Mm-hmm. It looks Super good. Yeah. I want to see Indiana Jones as a video game. Sounds freaking
2: awesome. So what do you think? Do you think it'll win best indie game of the year? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, one more that I wanted to mention a trailer just released for a movie, uh, by Nick Frost, or Nick Frost is in it, uh, mm-hmm. called Crazy House, and it's spelled with a K. It's like mm-hmm. a uh, '90s sitcom family, and there's Russian workers who want to—they're uh, wanted criminals—and but it's all like set in this like y world. Looks like a lot of fun. Nick Frost is part of—he's the other guy uh, in all the Coronado trilogy: right. The uh, um, John of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, John of the Dead, and, and world, Hot Fuzz. World's End. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's the, <laughs> the dark haired guy, but like him a lot. And this looks like a fun premise. Definitely worth check out that trailer.
2: He's he's Great fun in pretty much
0: everything he's came. in. Yeah. Another British actor.
2: So you're yeah. just getting
0: more Britishness.
1: All right. Thank you, Jody. Okay. As we announced last week, we're doing a new segment called the Out of Touch Dad, where we um try to figure out what words that the young Ooh. people are using. Um, I forgot about have- this. Mm-hmm. I forgot all about this. Do you have a word? I'm putting, I'm putting this week's word in the chat. Um if you have words that you want us to you want to see if we know what it means, uh, please uh you can uh DM us on uh Instagram or Twitter or uh send an email to dads from the crypt at gmail.com. Um this week's word, uh Mondo Jody, can you uh, look this up for me? Uh I'm not sure if I know how to say this right. Mondo, you're laughing yeah. already. Do you know this I word, I to say any
2: word. word. Chuggy, chuggy?
1: Chuggy? C H U G Y. Yep. Our uh, patron Ashton said that these are phrases my college students have said. <laughs> um, and that they've had to explain to me. So
2: hold on for a second. Like I thought we were doing like high school and middle school kids. I feel even way older now that college kids talk But I don't well, understand it, college students slang. All no, right. So. No, it, it's
0: a fine line between oh god.
1: um, I don't know. This sounds like a kind of a a nasty word in a way. Like
2: It sounds like you gave someone a chuggy. I don't know. (laughs) So if if you gave someone a chuggy, Jason, what would you do to them? I have no idea, but I don't don't think it's something they'd like. (laughs) I mean, we don't king shame here on Dads from the Crypt. (laughs) In general, though. I mean, someone might be into a chugging, but... (laughs) <laughs> I, I first no, read it yeah. as chuggy, and I was thinking, is that like this new fangol thing where kids butt chug things? Like you heard of that? Like you um, heard of that? Hup, yeah, if you or whatever. Yeah, if you take it. Well, if you take a vodka and like just enema into your asshole, it's supposed to get you Whoa. drunker quicker, but it'll probably kill you too. Uh, yeah, don't don't do that. Just don't do that. That's don't my do enema or don't uh, do an enema with vodka. Because I mean, some people have to do the, the formal <laughs> Well, yeah, with, with vodka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jody, do you have any uh, clues on what this word means? Right,
0: man, I don't know. One of my kids is playing Pokemon. It sounds like a nasty Pokemon, like that you don't want to catch. There's
1: one? <laughs> like, a, like a
0: Pokemon with an STD.
1: <laughs> there is a Pokemon. I think it's a Pokemon called a Chungus. Sure. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You can make up, you can say any like combination oh, oh, of no. sounds, and there's probably a Pokemon with it by now. Sure, sure.
0: <laughs> All hey, right, Jason, do you know what this means? What does it can you, mean? Can you help us? No, I'm I, I'm asking.
2: Oh, ask you guys to Google it. I oh, have okay. um I have pulled it up onto uh Urban Dictionary. And the problem is there's like eight different definitions. Should I just take the most recent one?
1: Yeah, or like the most popular.
2: This is um okay. I, mean, I can't here. read that one because it doesn't make any sense. Um I'm gonna read the top one. Which says the opposite of trendy, mm-hmm. maybe stylish in middle school and high school, but no longer in style used when someone still follows these out of date trends. This may include but not be limited to fashion habits on social media, usage of slang, etc. cetera. Uh, to use that in a sentence, it would be my friend told me to change out of my favorite pair of Miss Me jeans because they were geek. Miss me? Gene? That was actually written 2018. If you want to feel even older, so that's six <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and the uh, this the person that submitted it, their their handle is ChuG Life, which that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I definitely
1: think my kids would call me Chuggy.
0: I was gonna say, so Chuggy describes being in your 40s, right? Yeah. At um, least as far as how the teenagers look at you.
2: I, I have to read this second. Uh, uh, the second definition, it says another way to describe aesthetics, people, or experiences that are basic. It was coined by a now 23-year-old white woman in 2013 while a student at Beverly Hills High School on whom the irony is apparently lost.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: According to the New York Times, Yi, pronounced Chu G, Nam G. Can be used broadly to describe someone who is out of date or trying too hard. Right. That's all the okay. So example: Did you read the article in New York Times about Chugi? It was pretty Chugi. Nice. Person number okay. two. Yeah, they keep trying to make Chugi happen. Person number one. Don't That's worry, so it's chuggy. not going to happen.
1: <laughs> That's so Chugi.
0: Okay,
2: so weirdly
0: enough, though, in the games Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, a professor asks you what it means, and you have to answer old and outdated. So, wow. apparently, the Pokemon connection was already there the whole like, time. Well, my son's playing Scarlet right now,
1: so this is like so Okay, weird well, you, sure. you
0: can help him when he gets to the Chugi question if he's like, I don't know what this means. Man, old he was outdated. trying to
1: find like a bottle cap or something in the game, and I Googled how to find it, and he couldn't find it. It turns out he needs to like beat like another gym, and he had like a full on meltdown. I mean, that's that's typical autistic child behavior, but
2: yeah. I mean, yeah, we I mean, should get your oldest. We should get your oldest son on here, and we'll throw him slang from when we were young, and see if he can get. <laughs> 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 Fucking All old right. people. throw throw him some chuggy slang, you might say. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of dumb parts in video games, uh, but my buddy just beat Simon's Quest for Castlevania two oh, for wow. the first time, wow. and. I remember as a kid, I had to buy a strategy guide to beat that game because nowhere in the game does it tell you you have to hold a crystal in your hand or Dracula's heart in your hand and kneel for two and a half fucking minutes to get some passageway to open up. <laughs> How did we ever win video games before we could look it up? Oh, Dude, I, I, I had the Mega Man I, Collection I... and I started playing it on, my, on Steam, on my Steam Deck. Dude, mm-hmm. I about threw my Steam Deck across the room. I was for so which game? It was tra- uh, the Mega Man Collection. I was playing oh, Mega yeah. Man 3. Well, it's right. so hard. Standard. It's so hard it now. It is, and I finally got to the very last stage, and after like thirty minutes, I'm like I'm just not gonna beat it. It's all there is to it. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Then
1: our Patreon question of the week is: If you were to enter a talent composition competition, what talent would you present? Our friend Alyssa said either just singing, boring, or my uncanny Snow White impression, unhinged now Alyssa we need to hear your Snow White impression <laughs> Alyssa, you
0: can't just put that out there yeah. yeah can we get
2: Alyssa back on the show so we
1: can hear this work on it um all right Ashton said uh pumpkin slash
2: watermelon carving I'm um, handy with an exacto knife which sounds also okay. kind of terrifying okay I also need it. Ashton I need I'm gonna need you to send us some of your pumpkin carvings or your watermelon yeah. carvings because that sounds fucking cool um, our friend Whitney says, I'm really
1: good at making a turkey gobble sound. So probably that <laughs> again, Whitney, come on and show us your gobbling noise. Nice. Gobbling we, down. We, we're, we're, we're
0: down all of these things. Then we're,
1: we're down. <laughs> and then our friend Tommy says uh, functioning on no sleep, which is, you know, kind of like being a parent. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah. For a guy who doesn't <laughs> have kids. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what would you guys go on a talent composition for?
2: I feel I like was, I'm not really great at anything. I'm just good at, like, I'm okay at some stuff. So I don't know. It'd be tough one. What about, like, yeah.
1: something really mundane, like raking leaves? Like, I would say, like, I'm, I do good uh, PowerPoints. That would be my thing.
0: <laughs> Jason would get up there and open up his laptop. All right, let me show you this Excel sheet. These formulas are going to blow your mind. <laughs> My pivot table rocks. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, I can man. crack my knuckle by doing this. Can you hear that? I can. Yeah, nice. That's very good, by the way. That's that. That is early onset arthritis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of
0: sound good. Our our listeners who right now are like listening to this with headphones, hearing that like crackle in their head. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> the- I'm gonna put some reverb behind it when I edit it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Dual remix. <laughs> Man, I
0: mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'm that good at it, but I used to do like chorus and stuff like that. Like I used to sing in high school. So I, I guess that, Ooh. like, that would be the thing that I would go, okay, well, sure. That's something. I can also rap a whole lot of nineties songs that I still know the, all the words to, I have no flow, but I do know the words. See, no, see, I see Jason's face. And so we're doing that thing where we were saying like, you have to
2: actually demonstrate it now. No, I don't no. You know what this sounds like? You know what this sounds like? This sounds like when we all have a meet-up or get to a meetup, we're doing some karaoke. Mm-hmm. And, Jody, I'm, I'm and I, Jody and I are going to tag-team Dr. Dre and Ice Cube's Natural Born Killers. <laughs> that sounds excellent. <laughs> you don't have to do it, but what, gonna what's the We're going to edit some words out of there. <laughs> yes. From, I'm leaving the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Jody, what, what, what are
1: some songs that you could do if you were so inclined or inebriated enough?
0: Uh, and yes, inebriated is the key there. I mean, Jump Around by House of Pain is definitely one. That is the the whitest answer you ever could have Oh, wait, hang on. That was the first one. This is the one that comes to mind. Also, you know, anything from like the early, like uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, like uh, especially uh, stuff like uh, Who Am I? What's My Name Mm. by Snoop Dogg? Um, Murder was the case they gave me. You know, like the early stuff, late 90s
2: stuff. Mm. That game soundtrack, by the way, fucking yeah. phenomenal. I love yeah. that soundtrack.
0: It's good stuff. You know, Biggie. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of that. Tupac. Nothing Man, but Have you me, seen too. that
2: video of Biggie when he was like 17 just rapping yeah. on the streets in New York? Um, yeah, it's cool. like ah,
0: freestyling. On, it's insane. Like, it it's absolutely it's,
2: it's, insane. I'm not a huge rap fan, but I have nothing but respect for Biggie. And, but hearing that gave me goosebumps. I'm like, holy shit. Like... Mm-hmm. At 17, just like how how good he was. I was like, holy crap! Well,
0: yeah, no, I, it was not that long ago that I was reading something or listening to something, and I found out that they were just both Biggie and Tupac were like 24 years old when they died, oh, yeah. which absolutely oh, it blows it's, my mind. It's well, sad. Also, I- I mean, Biggie, Sean Carter, and
1: uh, Buster Rhymes were all like at a high school around the same time, yeah. like we all like were in like, the classes, like. One that, senior, one that was a senior,
2: when there was a freshman, Damn. it, it reminds, I hate to bring this back to pro wrestling, but it reminds you of pro wrestling because there's, <laughs> there's a high school in Minnesota that like Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect and yeah. Razor Ramon all went to. And then in Texas, you had the West Texas university, which Steve Austin and the Von and all of them played football. at. It's just so crazy mm. how they spawned all this talent. Yeah. And, yeah. and I guess yeah. the best story is that Cameron Diaz used to buy weed from Snoop Dogg in high yeah. school. Love That's it. amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I just I, you know, when I think of like Biggie and Tupac, I, I as a kid, I thought they were like these cool, like older people and they're just they were just kids. They were mm-hmm. kids too. It's right. insane. Yeah.
2: All right. Oh wait, Jason, you never said what you'd do, did you? Oh, you no, see I you did Powerpoints. The PowerPoint. Oh, I didn't say what I would do. I I don't know what I wouldn't do anything. I don't know. My I'm my director did give me a compliment on the PowerPoint I made this week, so I was very happy. I could show go. people how to do a rear naked show poorly. That's yeah. not my forte. I have a really good head and arm choke, though I could show that off. Yeah. And I can play guitar poorly too. If you just like to see my right hand move as fast as possible and my left hand do not much, which is also the name my sex <laughs> tape with Marilyn. I, <laughs> was that what I, just, I, I, I was like a third person listening to myself say this, like, stop, stop, <laughs> stop. Which <laughs> is also what she says. <laughs> Uh, first of all, if she says, stop, 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 you should stop and walk away. Like that is, that is the, end of the, the end. I'm just, just, if anybody says stop, you walk away. Just saying. Weird. Also on dads in the crypt, we're big fans of consent. There yes, you go.
1: That's our dad advice for the week.
2: Consent. I, I have some dad advice. Are we do some dad advice still. Yeah, do it real quick. I, I do have some, cause I was thinking about it today. So, um, uh, a friend of mine, I used to work at Apple. She's a flight. She's a flight attendant. Now, uh, Brittany, Huge Packers fan. Huge Packers fan. They obviously, they obviously lost this week to my team. Um,
1: but they overachieved, just for
2: the fun. They, the- they, they played great, man. It's it like, yeah. there's nothing to be ashamed of. But uh, I think one of her relatives went on her Facebook page and just trashed her over it. <laughs> like, ah, oh, fucked it. And all I'm going to say is, as in sometimes taking the high road is the best way to go. I don't talk shit when it comes to sports or when it comes to whatever, because someone's already feeling bummed out because their team lost. Why am I going to kick them while they're down? Yeah. Why am I going to make someone feel worse about their situation when we should be really trying to lift each other up as human beings? Just saying. Mm.
0: Life's yeah, that's, too short. That's, what, that's
1: one of those things. That I have- and I post that uh, demon night uh, clip. The uh, fuck this cowboy shit. Cause people <laughs> love it when they do that.
2: So. <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay. But, but it's a big difference. So like when people poke fun at a uh, heavy metal or something, I'm, I don't care. Like I just laugh at it because I think it's done in jest. But like when you have people that are really have an emotional tie to us. I Maybe mean, it's kind of dumb we have emotional ties to sports teams, but I do. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I don't like there'll be people who come out of the woodwork who've never once talked to you about sports that can't wait to shit on you when your team loses. <laughs> and it's one of those things like, why? Why? Are you, if you're my friend, why do you want me to feel worse about my situation? I mean, that's
0: one of those conversations I have with my kids, like outside of sports or anything. Like I, I have a seven-year-old little boy. And seven-year-old little boys like to be a pain in the ass. Like, that's just part of their makeup is they enjoy aggravating. And I talk to them all the time, though, and just, like, said, bud, you know, like, you're doing things to make people mad, and people are getting upset, and people are frustrated. Is that making things better around here or worse? Like, when you're no. making everyone around you <laughs> mad, like, you're making your own situation bad. Like... Don't be mean. Don't, don't make people upset for no good reason. Don't be a and jerk.
2: That's the way to put it. And that's why I don't like going to, I still remember in the 49ers loss to the Ravens back in 2013 in the Super Bowl. Um, my buddy, John, who's a diehard Niners fan goes, Hey, we're all going to this Niners bar. Let's go to this Niners bar together. And I was just like, no, nah. I'm going to go watch it at my favorite brewery, because if we lose, I'm not going to be surrounded by a bunch of pissed off people. Yeah. I'm going to be surrounded by a lot of people that don't care. And that's kind of the best, thing to do really is it's it, that people feed off like i don't want to feed off negativity because it just makes you negative and makes you angry like right. yeah. have some positivity in your life if uh, my friend christine is a diehard packers fan text me after the game and she's like man good game and i was like yeah it was a good game man you guys played awesome i said man i would not have been upset to lose to you guys and we had a cool conversation about it which is what it really should be it's, and at the end of the day it's just fucking sports at the end of the day uh, the, the Niners, are, if the Niners win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to get a paycheck in the mail. <laughs> Although, if anyone from the Niners you are figure listening, out to, way it, to make that work, though. Hey, if anyone from the Niners are listening, to want to send me like a T-shirt, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up another episode. Next
1: week, we'll be looking back into the Black Mirror with season one, episode three: The Entire History of You. It's a good one. We appreciate everyone for listening. We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating, a review on iTunes, a rating on Spotify, check out our YouTube for videos of these podcasts. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt.
0: (laughs) Follow Dads
1: from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or I will follow you to the grave. (laughs) No, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it.